Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today I have a special guest who's leading the charge for a very creative, potentially disruptive e-commerce company. We're going to get to hear his story, the story behind the product and what he's doing. And we're also going to dive into a topic that we've not really explored on the podcast yet. And that's how to successfully run crowdfunding and equity crowdfunding campaigns. I think this is a great strategy, great uh, way to launch new products, to launch new companies. Lots and lots of uses for this. And this gentleman has, has done crowdfunding a number of times very successfully. So we're going to dive into the ins and outs of that, get to hear his story and some other fun nuggets along the way. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest is Connor Young. He's the founder and CEO of Ample Foods. He's based in the Bay Area, one of my favorite parts of the country. And so excited to dive into his story and gain wisdom from Mr. Connor Young. Connor, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks for making uh, yourself available. And I'm pretty pumped to dive into this topic with you. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah. So let's get a little bit of the background before we dive mm-hmm. into... Uh, what Ample Foods is, and then we'll dive into crowdfunding and, and how all that works and some tips and ideas there. But how did you end up in the Bay Area and what did you do prior to starting Ample Foods? Sure. So I have been interested in health and fitness for, I don't know, my entire life. Okay, and, good. Uh, you know, basically when I was in high school and college, I was like very much interested in biology and uh, so, so that's what I majored in, minored in environmental science, just realizing, you know, the, the vast majority of the problems that I felt compelled to solve were on either the health side of things or the environmental side of things. Got it. Got into CrossFit, you know, early days. Uh, and this is very early college and started a CrossFit gym right out of college. Were you a CrossFit and, competitor? Did you ever do the CrossFit games or any of that? You know, I did. I did compete, but not on a super competitive level. Right uh, but yeah. I definitely, you know, uh, placed uh, well at different regional competitions. Awesome, um, intense. It was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was, that was that was great. But you know, no, no longer. And uh, <laughs> you know, the the one thing though is that like it was so gratifying for me to see people's 
lifestyle change, you know, over the course of just a few months working with them. Um, but I also wanted to see the real, like the actual medical industry, how that, how, how that works. I, I sold medical devices for, for a couple of years with Johnson Johnson and then sold the CrossFit gym. Um, but I kind of became jaded with the, uh, the traditional medical industry yep. and, uh, and really wanted to kind of focus on preventative wellness. So that's when I moved out to San Francisco to start a, a physical therapy patient engagement platform. And, um, you know, the idea was to kind of make almost like a P90X uh, type of program for physical therapy patients so that they could actually keep up with their exercises better. The business model did not work out, uh, which is, you know, one of the, one of the issues with, I think, like selling into the, the traditional medical field, which is like, you have so many different, like, you know, it's just such a convoluted system. So... When I was uh, when I was kind of ideating on what to do next, um, you know, I kind of happened to land into this entrepreneurial co-op, and you know, there were fifty of my friends who I lived with, and you know, we were basically, you know, we were all sort of entrepreneurial to a certain degree, and they all kind of looked to me as the house, you know, I'm the house health guy, guy you know, still crossfit coaching, still, uh, you know, reading nutrition articles in my spare time. I did a nutrition lecture series for them. And, you know, but, but at, at one point it just became too onerous for them to say, you know, to actually make their healthy food in the middle of the day, you know, they're, they're they lead busy lives. And so they were like, Connor, like, can you just make something that makes it so easy for me to have lunch in the middle of the day, where I just don't have to think about it. And, you know, this is when a product called Soylent had come out and, uh, honestly, some of my friends got sick from using it for the majority of their calories. And, you know, it was... Did, did anyone, I'm just, just curious, did anyone yeah. object to the name Soylent because of the the old Saturday Night Live skit? The the, the Soylent Green is people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Even, even that's I like, do. It's before my time, but like, it's like it's a, a terrible it's a movie name. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it was a terrible name, but for, for the community of people that they were going for, it was really funny. So uh, I think it was, it it made sense. They're brilliant marketers. Um, However, I I, kind of had a huge issue with the actual like nutrition content of the product, you know, so that kind of led me to say, look, like, you know, there really does need to be this, you know, this convenient, healthy product in in the space. And, uh, you know, where we can go after a different market, those people who are like, Concerned with the ingredients of the of the product, and uh, they're willing to spend a little bit more for for higher quality stuff, but it's just as convenient and and actually better tasting. So, you know, I started out originally by basically getting a you know uh, just buying a bunch of ingredients off of Amazon and then mixing them together in my uh, in my apartment, and then basically you know giving them out to my to my friends. And you know, over the course of the next few months, we got a good. I got a good like prototype going to the point where 20 out of 50 people were, were using it every day, you know, spending about 150 bucks a month on it. Wow. I said like, if that, if Did that. Did you come up with some great. really, really bad concoctions during that experimentation phase? Did you come up with some really. Oh, they were terrible. Uh, yeah, I they were so bad. can imagine. Uh, I mean, the, <laughs> the, the, the nutrition kind of ethos was always basically the same, but I had to, you know, cycle through a decent amount of ingredients to help get those, you know, that ingredient 
mixed yeah. the way I wanted it to be. Yeah, it, it um, has to be palatable. I, I found I can drink anything, and like I, so, I take herbs. I get some friends that lights mm-hmm. that sell herbs, and so I'll, I'll drink literally anything if it's healthy. But most people are not that way. Like it has to be palatable, has to be tasty. Yeah. To, to become a dairy and habit. also you don't want to you don't want to have to force it because yeah. if for you it still takes willpower to do something and what you need is something that's like your brain just says oh I'm going to I'm going to be drawn to that you know like automatically but the the, the problem is making it healthy and and tasty mm-hmm. uh, is 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 not an easy task so True. you know we we did this and or when when I say we at this point it was still an I. Yeah, <laughs> um, an accelerator called 500 Startups, mm-hmm. and then, uh, decided to launch an Indiegogo campaign. And the reason why was because, um, you know, I realized if we were ever going to get real investment, you know, a I could not bootstrap it. I just did not have any money. Right. Um, it's it's a pretty capital capital intensive business too. I mean, to develop this yeah. product, you can't you can't just bootstrap yeah. it. And the other thing as well is like one of the problems that we struggle with is lower margins than most food companies. And so we have always had to be kind of creative to, have, to say, how do you they fix that problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, or how do you kind of like solve around it? Yep. You know, so we couldn't just, you know, spend X dollars on, you know, on, uh, on ads and then, you know, scale to the moon. It just, it would not work that way. So we had to get pretty creative, but I also said, okay, well, for us to ever get any, um, you know, investment, they're going to need traction. So yep. what's our real traction? Let's make an equity crowd, or let's make a, a, a traditional, you know, crowdfunding campaign using Indiegogo to uh, to kind of launch this product. So we actually did this very well. We were the number one food campaign um, of its time. So we broke their their food and beverage record. Awesome. Um, and then, and I know we want to get into the details on that at some point, uh, but just to kind of take us full circle to where we are today, sure. we launched the product. Um, you know. Several months later, January of 2017, we've been in the, in the market for almost two and a half years. Um, and actually recently, you know, so we have three products. We have Ample Orig- Original, we have Ample K, which is our keto version. We have Ample V, which is our plant-based version. And, um, you know, but one of the things that we did as well, apart from like raising funds from other people, is we did an equity crowdfunding campaign that, uh, that, basically launched this January. So it was January to March. And we, we raised $800,000 from our, from our own community. So that, you know, at a $15 million valuation. So we basically, you know, had our community finance the efforts, but also in, in so far as we have them now as investors, developed a stronger community as, as a result. So those are the two things that, that, that I know we want to kind of dive in you know, and, and obviously we've got a lot of other stuff going on. We have subscriptions, we have uh, some affiliate stuff we could talk about, but, but, uh, but yeah, that kind of brings us to where we are right now. Love it, man. I love it. And one of the things you and I were talking about as we were prepping for the show is how valuable those early mistakes are. Uh, I, I think every successful founder, entrepreneur that I know has struggled and failed on at least, the, at least one thing, usually multiple, but, but your first venture, the, the platform for I was mm-hmm. a physical therapist or, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, good idea. Didn't work for a variety of reasons, but it's what led you to where you are now. And I, and I really think there's, there's something about, uh, as entrepreneurs, we're typically pretty confident and pretty bullheaded. And so if, if we have too yeah. many successes early, I think that sets us up for catastrophic failures later. Whereas if we have a couple of failures in the beginning, it, it shows that we're human mm-hmm. and, 
and 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 teaches us to to use data and and uh, you know that we're not invincible and all those things. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Good. So let's dive into this. Let's start with the crowdfunding piece first. So I think there's there's a couple of ways you can utilize this, and that, that our audience should should consider this. One, it could be for a successful business. So you're already doing well. You're already cash flow positive, you're already profitable, but maybe you're launching a new product. I think crowdfunding can work well for launching just a new product. It obviously works great for people in your shoes where you're launching a brand new company and the new product. So mm-hmm. let's kind of let's kind of think about it from those angles, but let's dive in and and so you guys were hugely successful. You shattered the record for a food-based offering. What are some of the components? What what does it take to make a successful crowdfunding campaign? Well, I would say it really does require a good product, or at least the concept of a good product. So, you know, and at this point, I've done a lot of podcasts to kind of specifically talk about crowdfunding, but, you know, you cannot fix a broken product, and you probably shouldn't, and the market the market's going to, you know, weed that out pretty quickly. So, frankly, if the product that you have, the market doesn't actually want to find that out very quickly. And that's great. You can move on with your life, you know, because it's yeah, actually... It's relatively low cost, right? I mean, if you, if you start yeah. a crowdfunding campaign and it totally bombs, I mean, what, what, is, what is your hard cost at that point? Yeah, it's not a ton. And the other thing is like, it really, you know, you, you really should use it as data to kind of suggest, okay, am I actually in the right market? Is this the right product market fit? You know, some people can kind of... I've seen people kind of get too bullheaded on that as well to say, well, I failed this time, um, but I know that, you know, that this, that the, the market needs this, but the reality is that the market does not need the products. So the and question they don't would, want it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so the question is like, does your, does your product actually fit in the market? And if so, and you know, there, there's a difference between having it fit, but then you just didn't execute well, in which case, of course, yes, redo the campaign. But, you know, so that's kind of where it starts. And then I think the second part, of course, is the story. Uh, we spent a ton of time on the story. And luckily for me, uh, I'm relatively good at telling a passionate story about my own, you know, background, you know, what led me to, to where I am and being authentic about it. And so I think coming from the place of authenticity is like very, very, very critical. Like it cannot feel like you, you're some person who just, you know, analyze the market, wanted to make a quick buck, and here you are. Um, it can't feel like a, a cash grab, right? It can't feel like mm-hmm. I just found the way to make a buck, and so I'm, I'm taking advantage of that. It has to more feel mission-driven or, or, may, or maybe just, hey, this, the market was in desperate need of something new, and, and, and I was compelled to do that. Yeah, yeah, because I think that there's the multiple angles of the story. I think you need the hook. The hook is... You know, it's a couple of things. One is it could be your own personal story if that's if that's relatable to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, you know, hey, I saw this problem in the world and I had, you know, I felt compelled to solve it. Um, you know, or it could be something like, you know, we all have this problem and uh, and and he, and here it is. And so, like, it has to be relatable to the person at some level, but it also has to kind of transcend you and the other person at some level as well. So kind of figuring out the difference between, okay, how, do, how much do you make it about yourself and how much do you make it about the, 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 the purchaser on the other end of this, this, the, uh, the screen? 
and how much do you make it about like the larger world impact that I think is going to depend on the actual product that you have. But I think all three components are, 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 if not necessary, completely beneficial to actually crafting a really good story. So I think that's so, so, and and let's, let's kind of break that down a little bit because that's really fascinating. So has to be some element of your story, some, some element that connects to the person that's reading the story. So Mm -hmm. they, they have to be, Mm-hmm. brought into it, see personal benefit, personal gain. But then there's this, this idea of it's, it's a greater, it's a movement, it, it, it's mm-hmm. a revolution type of thing. It's, it's a disruptor in an industry. Uh, how, how important is that piece? And you kind of alluded to it that it's different for every product, but my guess is that those first two elements are pretty well necessary for everything. But I guess there could be some products that are just more utilitarian mm-hmm. that, that really those totally. things that matter the most. And then that yeah. bigger world it, it once again depends on the industry, but I, I would say that like it, it, like the third piece is a nice to have. It's not it's not the biggest. It's the most important thing because at the end of the day, like they're prepaying to to buy a product. Yep. Yep. It, you know. So so if it doesn't if if if, if there is no, you you still have to spend the majority of the time talking about how you are going to solve this other person's problem. Yep. Um. You know, but but it can't just talk about okay. Here I'm selling a product to you because it has to feel like you're like you you as a as a consumer of a of a. The, the thing with these equity crowdfunding campaigns is that the person wants to feel that they're not just buying a product, but they're supporting a vision. That they, that yeah, they're supporting a, a future in which they want to be part of, and you know either because they think that you're a great person or because that the future that you're going to is 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 a great is a great yep. future. Yep. Um, and that, that is part of the fun of, of backing a campaign is saying, hey, I think this product can really take off. I think this is going somewhere. I think I think these inventors, these creators are onto something. I uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of of standing desks. My yeah. desk raises and lowers. I'm actually sitting right now, but uh, yeah. uh, I was in on a campaign for a product called Worth Board. So like surf mm-hmm. only with a W. So it's like work and surf together. But it was a, mm-hmm. a, a platform to stand on that that kind of causes you to have a core workout and you shift a little bit while you're standing mm-hmm. and working. Uh, truth be told, I don't actually use it anymore. But <laughs> yeah. the, story, the story was really compelling. Mm-hmm. And, and now tying it back to what you just said, I think part of it for me was not just here's the health benefit I'm going to get, but I believe in this cause for more people to stand up while they work. Exactly. Standing exactly. desks and schools and things like that. And so, because the other thing you have to think about is like not just, you know, what, the, what you really need is virality in these campaigns. Yep. And that's really how it takes off. Yep. Yep. The only way that you're going to get virality is if there's, if, if, if there's a net positive social um, kind of impact in the sense that like, your, um, you know, every person has social currency, and if they promote a product to their friends, it either you know adds social currency or it detracts from it. So if their friend does not appreciate the the offer, then it detracts from the, the friend's current social currency. If 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 the friend actually does feel like it's a really good thing, well, then it's going to improve the social currency, right? So you have to think what's the social currency that your friend or that that the purchaser of your product is going to have. And if it's a net positive, um, you know, that's the only way that you get virality. And, uh, 
and and like you can you can do a bunch of tricks to kind of incentivize it, but that's you that's usually trivial shit. You know, it's like if you have a bunch of buy twenty, you know, give twenty get twenty, but the person feels like it's not actually a good deal for their friend. They're not gonna they they will not sell out their friends. So that's what that's why this kind of like greater social impact um, ends up really being uh, a big part of it because they'll they'll sell that story to their friend, and you need to give them that little quick thing for why they supported this business. Love it. So uh, how, do you, how did you land on your hook and what advice would you give to people as, as to how they would land on their hook as well? So the hook is hard yeah. for me at least. And I would say that it's probably different for all, you know, other companies. You know, we could have gone a million different ways. We could have said like ample, you know, we could have just gone straight up. First of all, it's dependent to defining who your audience is. Yep. And you know, if I was if I was to do this for over again, what I might have done is actually uh, gone even narrower on my audience because yep. I said, you know, basically busy, health conscious people. If I was to start this over again, I might have said, um, busy, health conscious athletes, or busy, health conscious, or maybe people who do keto or yep. something like yep. that. Um, I think we were a little bit broad at the same time. We had a good product, so people kind of like internalized what they could use it for. Um, I think it's going to be something that you have to figure out on your own. The question is, I, you know, because we could have made it like, I, one, one kind of thing that I might suggest is that, that, you, that you should make it inspiring. Um, yeah. We find, we, we, we decided not to go the health route in the sense that, you know, we could have gone this grandiose thing about, hey, there's a bajillion people who have like, diabetes and metabolic syndrome in our, in our, you know, country. And, you know, we wanted to make a a product that really like helped to kind of save, you know, to, to fix that problem. But that's kind of more focusing on the problem rather than the solution. And it's frankly not, it's not as much focused on the person who's going to purchase our product because the person, person who's actually buying the product uh, is not the person with metabolic diseases. The person who's buying the product is probably someone like you, who's you know a busy entrepreneur who has like shit going on in the middle of the yeah. day and just can't yeah. you know. So it's like that's a cool idea, but it has to be relatable to the purchase person who's actually buying the product. Yeah, totally agree. And it's one of those things where, and I, I'm a pretty fit guy, pretty active, but uh, mm-hmm. I am I am too busy to do certain things, and so I, I think you're absolutely right. And also, I think if you get to, well, one that's also not that unique, right? If you say we're, mm-hmm. we're helping solve these health problems, a lot of people claim that. Ooh, and, 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 and if you're too broad in some of those things, like too broad with statistics about health, uh, you lose the personal aspect and it, and it just feels yeah. like a research paper or something is not very compelling or yeah. very relatable. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool. So your, your hook was based on your story then? Like your personal story? Uh yeah, I mean, you know, I um, my personal story isn't. I think my personal story is it, the the only thing that I think my personal story does, to be honest, is is to legitimize me to say, okay, Connor's an authentic human being, and yep. he cares for the right reasons. Um, and that's really, I think, what what the personal story at the minimum should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it provides a little bit of cred- credibility. The whole CrossFit story, the whole 
you know, okay, he, he, he majored in biology. Like it should, it should provide credibility, yep. but, but I, I don't necessarily think that it has to be the hook. Got it. It, it, it can be yeah. if, if, if it's like, Hey, I lost a hundred pounds just using ample or whatever. Like that could be the hook. Yep. It doesn't have to be. So what, what was your hook specifically then? Um, I, to be honest, I, I like forget exactly like the, the how to phrase it. <laughs> that's totally, totally cool. No, that's totally fine. I know that's been a number of years ago, which, which is completely fine. What were some of the uh, things you guys did or tips you have for how you communicate those things? So I, I love those three points, by the way. Mm-hmm. Your personal story, connecting with someone else's personal story, the, the buyer, and then mm-hmm. your greater cause, something bigger than everybody. Um, yeah. Tips on, on how you communicate, elements you add to your, your uh, crowdfunding program? So I would say, um, I mean, first of all, if, if you do this and you actually want to be successful, you should work with a professional videography um, yeah. company. And like, I would say, first of all, have a good vision of what you want, but also like actually trusting a good storyteller is, yes. is I think part of it. Like we may not, you know, you may not actually have the skill yet. And frankly, any kind of filmmaker is going to be more skilled at telling a good story because that's what they do. Yep. So, you know, just you want to hire someone who's good and who can help you tell that story. Um, and, but who's able to have like a good dialogue. So you should, you should feel free that you're, you're actually going to have like the, the conversation and, and it should be, you know, it, it's, it's a give and take here. They have experience, but you have the story. So um, that, that you should, feel, you know, go off of each other. I, I would say as well, like if you want to know how to actually write a good pitch for the product, I would, um, I would look at any good investment pitch because ultimately any good investment pitch has all these elements to it, except minus like a few things, which is like market size and like, right. you know, like the, the first half of an investment pitch is like, you know, here's what we're trying to do. Here's the, here's the problem. Here's the existing solutions. Here's the solution. Here's how it fits into your life. Here's testimonials, all that stuff. Right. So uh, if you want to know how to do that, I would just go ahead and study like, you know, some of the, some of the better, like places for, you know, how to pitch investors. So Sequoia Capital, Andreessen Horowitz, Y Combinator, they all have like pitch deck, you know, places. And, and frankly, so there's like at this point, you know, Indiegogo and Kickstarter have their own resources. So there's a jillion places that you can find how to do that. Sure. What do you think, what caused your campaign to be so successful? You mentioned virality being important. Um, how did you guys kind of go viral? What, what are some other elements that made your campaign so successful? So we had, we had a PR firm. Okay. I don't think that did much for us. And did, did not do much for you? Did not. I didn't just think it okay. Yeah. To be honest, like I would say that five trillion PR firms all say that they're all the best and they're all going to do great. But basically PR firms are sales firms. And so I would say that probably just like you're familiar with in the digital marketing space, there's a lot more people who can sell than who can do. And, yep. uh, you know, it's like, the, and, and the reality as well is like, how many people are really reading those Wall Street Journal articles with the intent to buy your product? Fucking zero people. Right. Like, they, they don't, no one reads these big publications so that they can, so that they can actually like buy the product. So if you want to get, I mean, 
I would say that if you were going to spend your money, good old fashioned Facebook ads work and Instagrams work. And then, and then the other thing is, um, you know, influencers. So getting in touch with influencers in your industry and, uh, you know, when I say influencers, I, would, I probably mean more like thought leaders and affiliates. Right. We're used to drive, driving, you know, traffic with the intent to purchase. Um, that said, if you don't, if you're a new company, you probably don't have a ton of money to be able to spend on these people yet. So, you know, reaching out with them and, and kind of developing some early partnership without like, with basically just free product or whatever. Like I think you, I think you can probably go with the micro influencer thing quite a bit. And if they actually like the thing, then, uh, then I think that they, they, there's a lot of people who can, who can, um, you know, promote pretty well on just like social, uh, and through email lists. Um, but yeah, I would, def- I would definitely try to get like solid e- email lists out of people because they just work a lot better than, um, than like Instagram posts, like it's basically like my, my thought here is like, and this is not just here, but also just in general, like, you know, Instagram and Facebook are good for, for awareness, but they're crap for conversion. And, you know, email is great for conversion. So is blog. Um, but they're just a little bit less in terms of, uh, you know, broad awareness. So, um, I would, I would probably, if you can, Go to go to people who will actually email blast about you, or they'll actually, um, you know, or they'll write a blog about your product. Uh, those those convert really really well. Makes sense. So you you guys did you guys run your own Facebook ads for the, yeah. the Indiegogo campaign? Great. And was that yeah. a pretty big part of your success, or was that more of a small part yeah. of the success? No, that was a big part of it. Yes. So the other part of it was that was really big was our lifers. So we had a in fact, it was like the majority of, of the sales that we got was through people who bought lifetime supplies of Ample. Nice. For 5,000. Have you seen other people do that? The lifetime supply thing? I don't know that I've seen that no. on campaign. No, we just, it was a great, it's just an idea that I had one day. And I was like, I want to try this thing. Seems risky, I, but, I, but I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, now not everyone can do that because they don't all have consumable products. We have a consumable product that it actually makes sense to have that. But if you can try to get a, try to get a really high price point thing, you know, offer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, s- such that first of all, your lower offers don't seem as more as, as expensive. And, and second of all, if you, if you do have this thing, some people will buy. And what you can also do is you can, you can do one-on-one sales. Like I happen to have a sales background, you know, and so therefore I could, I could close deals you know, if I get an email from someone who's like, yeah, I was considering this life or thing. And I'll be like, great, like, let's jump on a call. And then usually I can close them there. Or I can, I can get a list of people beforehand. Um, so what we did beforehand was to say, ultimately, all I really did was I got two people who I knew were going to buy lifetime supplies because I already talked to them. And then day one of the campaign, they did. And so, um, and then four, four people later on that day, Bought, bought lifetime supplies, and by the second day, we had all already maxed out our lifetime supply thing. So we sold fifty thousand dollars in lifetime supplies alone wow. um, in the first day. So that was really powerful. So if, if you can do, if you can do something like that, I think it's going to be 
uh, it's gonna be really powerful. Um, but you know, not not I, I recognize that not every product has the ability to price sure. that. Sure, but I think the lesson there is maybe just is there some unique quantity, some unique mm-hmm. bundling, some just a unique offer because that mm-hmm. that's kind of has this whoa, really? Like I could get this yeah. forever. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You know, and the other thing as well is that that this I, we didn't do this, but we would have if I but if if it occurred to me is that like now a lot of brands are doing co-branding. They'll doing you know kind of I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine in terms yep. of like they'll they'll do like product bundles. You know, if you reach out to uh, different products in your same category, different companies in your same category who are not competitive. You know, for instance, like um, there's a, there's a we have a keto product, Ample K, um, and it's a great you know meal for for people who do keto. Well, other products that people who use keto do are is that they use like these these keto ketone meters. Mm-hmm. So we've yep. done, we're doing like partnerships with, with with brands like that. But if you can actually secure those, they can actually potentially help help promote your product in the beginning. Um, and then of course you can do the same uh, with them as you grow your list as well. Love that. So you so basically you approach someone that's selling the, the keto strips the the to test if you're in ketosis or not. You say, hey, if you'll help promote this crowdfunding raise, then as we build our list, we'll reciprocate and promote your keto strips later. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Love that. Love that idea. It's brilliant. Um, what about uh, any tips on the influencer side of things? And I, I completely agree with you. I, I'm not, although I'm not an expert with influencer marketing, I think it just totally makes sense to go after some of the micro influencers. There's mm-hmm. a lot of them. They're often going to be really grateful and really excited to work with you rather than, you know, the Kardashians of the world or whatever. Uh, how, how did you locate the, the proper influencers and how did you approach them? Um, so, and first of all, I will say that they were important, but they weren't, they actually didn't hit as, as well as we expected them to. Okay. okay. Um, and, uh, and so this is just something that I want to, you know, have people keep in mind. One thing I would say is, if you don't mind, I, I want to kind of redirect the conversation to something I think is more important. Absolutely. Actually, yeah. Uh, you know, how, once again, how do you get virality? How do you get people to, to promote their product, right? Like who are already believers. One of the big things that we did was um, as soon as someone, as soon as, and actually one of the reasons why we decided to do Indiegogo and not Kickstarter was because we got their emails from the, from them in, immediately after they purchased so then we could communicate with them so we, we incented them to now at, at the end of the day i don't think we need to do that either because frankly like we could still communicate with them on the platform but what we did was we created a um, a, uh, a facebook group that you know was like at the end of it it was like we had 1500 people who, who bought hample 600 of them uh 600 of them actually joined the Facebook group. Wow. So having them, yeah, it was good. And so like communicating with them daily on that platform is really good to help them stay excited throughout the, the whole campaign. Because um, you need them to be not just promoting on day one and the last day, but like you want them to be promoting the whole time. And so if they see this constant conversation going, you know, that's 
consistently being updated with new people and you're talking about your excitement and talking about why you did it and hey, here's some business plans or hey, whatever. Um, they're, they're going to feel like they're part of the community. And, you know, every few days or so, you should be pinging them again, being like, hey, here's our grant crate, you know, uh, this is our big update. And also, can you, can you promote this to your friends? Can you share this, you know, with them? Um, and, uh, and, and things like that. So I think that's, that's, that's very big. The second, the, the second big thing here is that you need to make sure to do all of your prep before the campaign happens. Like, you know, the, the most critical thing is that you have a successful day one, you know, to the extent that, you know, I would say like, and why, and why is the day one success so important? Yeah. Well, it's a momentum based thing and, you know, people really only back companies that they think are already successful. Yeah. And it's just like any investment. It's like, the, you'll, you know, if, if you look like you can't handle any more investment, that's when you get all the investment. But if you look like you need it, you're desperate you know, for it. Nobody wants to, to contribute. Exactly. And they can see it. So it's, it, the, it's, the number is public. So to the extent that if you do not have like your 100%, you know, campaign, like, like if you're not 100%, if you haven't meet, met your goal by some people say day three, I, I, I say day two, you can consider that a failure. Like, interesting. I would say, like, you, you, like you have to. Like, if you don't, it's not even worth doing the campaign. Interesting. Uh, it's that important. So, like, do whatever you have to do to make sure that, like, you, and, and which is why I think it's so important to set reasonable, even lowball goals. Like we had $50,000 as a goal. I think if I did it again, I would have done it, you know, uh, at 25,000. Um, Cause there's no, there's no real reason why you need to have a large goal. Some people have this, this like, Oh, I want to have it like be my actual goal. It's like that. Why? Yeah. If you actually do your real goal, your internal goal, you'll not reach it because people will see, Oh, well they're only, you know, 40% towards the goal. And eh, you know, it's like, there's only 40%, you know, of the campaign left. I think it's a risky thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe it's in that. probably not going to hit goal. I'm going to waste my time yeah. if I try to exactly. back it. Exactly. Totally. And they, once again, if, if they need social credibility from their friends, you know, they have to be able to pr promote a winning campaign yes. to their friends. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's cool. kind so of... So how did you get momentum then in that day one? Well, it's building an email list beforehand, and you can um, you do that both by putting up a splash page. You can you know network with your friends and family or whatever, and uh, you can ideally you have some prototypes that you can send out to the prop to the people. Um, you can also do um, you know what I, what I would say is uh, I mean some people do Facebook ads beforehand to get leads. I think it's probably it it, it could work. Um, a little risky though if you're putting money behind a campaign yes, that, that you're exactly. not ready for. We were never really willing to do that. We just didn't have the money for that. So, um, yeah. So I would say that that's a that's a good thing. I mean, in reality though, like a lot of your your efforts can be spent on these affiliate partnerships and brand partnerships beforehand because um, you need them to be to like you need their commitment. It's kind of 
it's kind of like a PR blast, but instead of to, you know, totally useless publications, right, like, right. you know, embargoed or whatever, you're basically embargoing these, um, you know, affiliates or these brands to, to email, to blast their 10,000 or 100,000 person list day one. So, uh, and some of these things, you know, they're a relationship play. Like you're going to have to spend time talking to people. And um, I mean, ideally as well, like what you would, what you would have done is, is, is build relationships within the category that you're trying to go for, like by going to conferences or whatever. Like, you know, if I had done this over again as well, I probably would have gone to, to gone to the conferences six months beforehand, you know, four months, two months, whatever. Because when you, when you meet people and they actually get to know you, then they're willing to help you out. But the reality is if you're a small brand um, and they don't already know you and your product doesn't exist yet, they might not give a shit about you. So they it's have to risk, It's risky for you. them. You know, the, the, the exactly. payout is, the potential payout is smaller than the potential risk if it, if it goes poorly and now they look bad for promoting it to their exactly. lives. So, which is to say that, like the the amount of time spent preparing for the campaign um, should far outweigh the actual time running the campaign. Totally um, makes sense. Yeah, like when we actually started doing the campaign, like and especially like especially you know for for the Indiegogo campaign, yes, and for, especially for the Equity Crowdfunding campaign, I spent like twenty minutes a day like on the campaign after it was launched. It was just there's nothing to do. All you do is you communicate with people. You have a, maybe an email every few days or so. You get them excited and they talk to themselves. You know, like it's not, there, there's nothing really to do after that except maybe build some other partnerships. But like it's, it should be all promoted. Nice. Totally makes sense. So let, let's shift gears a little bit uh, uh, and talk about the equity crowdfunding. Let's, for people that don't know what that is. And I will say also, um, go ahead. I have, I have about it. I have, a, I have about five more minutes. Awesome. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah, Let, let's talk, uh, let's transition to equity crowdfunding mm-hmm. and, and just briefly, and we're about out of time, but let's talk about mm-hmm. what is equity crowdfunding and, uh, and why did you do it? And then how did you make that successful? Yeah. You know, um, equity crowdfunding is the exact same as regular crowdfunding, except instead of selling a product, you're selling your company. You are you're you're getting uh, you're getting real investors, you know, safe note holders to um, you know to invest X amount of dollars for whatever you know small safe that you have. And so basically, um, you know, these are like you know what I would say is like for us, we did a fifteen million dollar valuation and we raised eight hundred thousand. It was relatively fine in terms of dilution. Um, but the other kind of benefit is that you actually then have 1,250 people. For us, we had 1,250 people. Actually, you know, now they're fans of us. Now they're like... Advocates of the they're, brand. They're, like they've, got, they've, got a, they've got a stake in it. Yeah. Exactly. So now the, the nice thing though is that like it's literally the exact same. There's nothing, there's nothing fundamentally different. The only thing that I would say is um, you have to do a good job of explaining to customers, to regular people, what investment means. Um, because they, you know, you, if, if you say, oh, you should invest in our company, they'll, they'll be like, okay, but what do I get out of it? And then you'll talk about safe notes and they'll be like, okay, cool, but 
I don't, I still don't get it. Like most people, most actual customers have never considered themselves to be investors. They don't, they don't, it's not part of their identity. So you have to really kind of handhold them to say, Hey, so what this means is, you know, this valuation, if we exit for X amount of money, here's how much money you would make or Y amount of money. Here's how much money, right? Exactly. And if we fail, you make nothing. Right. Um, which is a which is a very real possibility. Sure. So as long as you're like telling them, hey, here's here's the kind of scenarios, um, and and it only happens when we exit because we have some there's some dumb comments. There's like people who've already you know asked you know they're they're saying like I want my money back because you haven't you know gone public yet, and I'm like, <laughs> no, like I'm sorry. Um, luckily, luckily the investment has already been done and. Anyway, but but there's going to be a lot of people who are not used to this. Um, yeah. I think that, that other than other than that, it's pretty much all the same. The story, the ads. You know, the, the nice part though is that at some point, if you if you're investing for a product that already exists, um, you'll have a little bit more to talk about. At least that's that's the case with us. Yep. I would say though that like it's probably it's probably a, a better use of your time to do equity crowdfunding only when you have a product. Um, it's, it's harder to gain traction uh, with pre-revenue. Oh, totally costs. get it. Totally get it. What, what are you investing in at that point? That, that mm-hmm. story becomes much harder. Uh, but I totally see how, again, going back to your three elements you talked about for the crowdfunding raise, um, mm-hmm. and what's your story? What's the story for the person buying the product? And then what's the larger industry story? All three of those are really important to get investors yeah. as well. The thing you have to add in is how is the company already successful? How is the product already gaining traction? Things like that. Um, really interesting. I, I'd like to ask more questions. We're up against it. Um, maybe we can dig into the, uh, more of this in another podcast at some point. But uh, Connor, for those that are, that are listening and say, man, Ample mm-hmm. Foods sounds amazing. I want to dig in a little bit deeper, try it out. How can they best learn about the product or, or connect with you? Yeah, so just go to amplemeal.com, A-M-P-L-E-M-E-A-L.com and check it out there. Otherwise, we have it on Amazon, although I will say that our prices are better on a website. So uh, we, we ship to just to the U.S. right now. I think nothing in Canada yet, although Amazon probably um, in, the, in the near future. But um, yeah, that's where you can find us and um, yeah, excited to, to have you guys check, check it out. Awesome. Connor, I have learned a ton. This has been a lot of fun. I know our audience has learned a lot as well. Uh, you guys are doing some other cool things that people need to just go to the site and check out, like the, the way you're driving subscriptions and some other good e-commerce lessons. So go check it out, get some product or go check it out just to see how they're approaching the e-commerce game. Uh, and with that, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. And as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, We'd love to get that five-star review from you on iTunes if you feel so inclined. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. 
One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.